Welcome to episode number 44 with Runner's World columnist, best-selling author, and someone who's been called the coach of this generation, Ms. Jenny Hadfield. Here we are again, another strength running podcast show. I'm your host, Jason Fitzgerald, and it's my job to share insights, tools, mindsets, and training strategies to help you improve your running. And this episode is for the new runners out there, those with 18 months or less of running experience under your belt. But even if you're a seasoned veteran of the sport, I know you'll appreciate the fundamentals that my guest Jenny Hadfield and I talk about. So I really do think there's something for everyone in this episode. And a special thanks to Health IQ for sponsoring this episode. They're an insurance company that helps health-conscious people get special life insurance rates. Head on over to healthiq.com slash strengthrunning to see how your running can help you save on insurance. I also want to give a shout out to Match Who Make. That's obviously a username, not a real name, but they left a funny review of the podcast on iTunes. She or he said, I like to run. I like to power lift. Glad that someone is finally talking about strength training for running. I love this. Many of you know that uh, I don't think strength training is cross-training. It's so fundamental to what we do as runners that it's just training. It's just what you're supposed to do as a runner. And as we head into the final weeks of 2017, I'm excited to announce that we're going to be focusing a lot more on strength work in the beginning of 2018. So hit that subscribe button because we are going for a wild ride next January. And until then, if you could give me an early Christmas gift and leave a review on iTunes, that would be amazing and would really put me in the holiday spirit this year. All right, let's get down to business today. We're speaking with Jenny Hadfield. And if you're not sure who she is, you might have been spending too much time on backcountry trails over the last two decades. She's someone who's been called the coach of this generation, and she writes the popular column in Runner's World called Ask Coach Jenny. She's a best-selling author with a lot of titles under her name, including Running for Mortals and Marathoning for Mortals. She also hosts several running vacations every year where you get together with a bunch of runners, you do some running, you talk about running, you hear from famous runners and coaches, and otherwise just geek out on running for a few days. Uh, <laughs> if I didn't have a newborn at home, I'd be reserving my ticket today, definitely for the Inca Trail Marathon adventure that she's planning in 2018. But today we're talking all about how to start running, and not just for those who haven't started yet, but for those who have been running for a few, mo- a few months on up to a year. What should runners at all these levels focus on? What are the common mistakes that you should avoid at each of these stages of training? And how can runners get the most from their training if they're just starting or have already been running for a year? Let's dive in. Please enjoy my conversation with Jenny Hatfield. Hi, Jenny. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. Um, I'm really excited about this. You have been called the coach of this generation, and you've helped tens of thousands of runners, if not more, fall in love with running and become runners. So I'm really excited to learn from your experiences and help our listeners uh, who might just be starting on their own running journey. Uh, now, Jenny, were you always a runner? When when did you start running? Oh, I have to confess, uh, I used to hate running. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. It's okay. <laughs> I think there's a lot of us out there. 
Um, no, I, you know, I grew up playing team sports. So started with, I was just post title nine as a kid and we had the opportunity then to play basketball, um, and then 16 inch Chicago softball. And then eventually volleyball came around and love team sports. Um, one of the things that, that stuck with me though, was, uh, they always used running as a form of punishment. I don't think it was intentional, but it just was kind of a way to get your your form focus on your serves or your layups or whatever. And so I always had this mental association with pain and hating it. And that, I took that through high school and um, I, when I got my degree in exercise science and I was doing an internship at GE Medical Systems and... All of the employees, and the first day I walk in, all of the employees are runners. I'm thinking, oh, man, this is not good. They're going to make me run. And sure enough, <laughs> we sat down, and they're like, oh, we're going to do this 5K, and we'd love to have you join us. And I said, oh, man, I'll do, I'll do all your chores for you. I'll watch your kids. I'll clean your bathrooms, whatever you want me to do, but please don't make me run. And so that's kind of where I started. They, they embraced me, and they said, look – you know, you may not like running now, but give me three weeks. We will train with you. We'll help you. We'll guide you. It'll be fun. Promise me. And I said, oh, I can, I've got three weeks. Let's do it. And I was out of shape at the time. And we started with walking. And I thought, you know, I got to the end of 30 minutes of walking at lunchtime. It was social. It was fun. I thought, I can do this. And then they started sprinkling in literally seconds of running with minutes of walking. Got to the end of that, felt great, and then they slowly built that up. And I ended up being able to run 30 minutes continuously by the end of that semester. An internship, ran the race, finished it. I was beaten by a 72-year-old man, and they announced it on the PA system, which oh, wasn't no. fun. <laughs> oh, no. But I finished, right? And I had run, and uh, gosh, it was life-changing. So that's kind of where my running began. I went from a hate to love. Uh, relationship with running and it's stuck ever since. I love that. And it's funny, we have uh, kind of a similar introduction to running. I started running earlier. So I started running as a freshman in high school on the cross country team. But when I was in eighth grade, uh, absolutely hated running. You couldn't get me to run no matter what. And when we had track and field week, I was actually, you know, the 115 pound kid throwing the shot put because that got me out of all of the running events. <laughs> So it was just this kind of hilarious about face that I did, you know, and a year later I'm running three seasons of, of, you know, cross country, indoor, outdoor track. And, you know, now it's 20 years later, I'm a running coach. I run almost every day. And, you know, it's the thing in my life that has given me the most value. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I love that you started running and, and stuck with it, but also that you became almost an evangelist for running. Uh, and, and I think you've done such an excellent job at making running accessible to people who are just starting out. And, you know, what I'd like to talk about today is a lot of topics for beginners. And, and maybe we can start with runners who are uh, within that first year of running, because I think that's such a critical window to, to get some things right so that mm -hmm. we can set runners up for success later on down the road. You know, once they, you know, really fall in love with the sport, once they want to take their training a little bit more seriously. Uh, but I think that first year is is a really important window. Um, you know, so, so for these runners, you know, when they're 
their training age is one or less. I think there's an enormous potential for setting up the habits and the foundation to be a lifelong runner. So maybe we could start with a hypothetical runner who hasn't even started running yet. What do you think are maybe some of the principles or big picture ideas that a beginner runner should keep in mind when they first start running? I think the number one thing is to start from where you are. It's my number one principle with beginning runners because it's how I started. I attempted many times to try and run and I always made the same mistake. I went out way too far, way too fast, you know, got halfway through, started crying, walked home, threw my shoes in the closet for another month until I tried again. So I think really taking a, a personal inventory of where you are fitness-wise and start from where you are. For me, in college or post-college in my internship, that I was out of shape. That meant walking. My body wasn't used to the impact, and it's literally meant starting to walk. So if you're a fit person, but you're not running, let's say you're a cyclist or you do a lot of different classes or something, but you don't run, your body needs time to adapt to the impact of running. So that would be your starting point. You've got fitness, but your body needs to adjust to the impact. If you're somebody off the couch, kind of like I was, start with walking. Give yourself a foundation to get to grow and progress and be successful with. I know what our minds, mine was, I got, I just want to start now. Everything's so quick nowadays. Fitness doesn't happen that, happen that way, and neither does running. So I think the number one mistake I see from folks that are just starting out is just getting carried away with the excitement of it all, because it is exciting to start something new. And they go too far, they go too fast, and uh, you know, end up not feeling good and hating it or disliking it, associating it with pain rather than progress and happiness. So for me, it was getting to the point where I finished that 30-minute session at lunch, first walking and feeling good and thinking, gosh, I had a good time. I had a great conversation. I feel good. I, I want to do that again. That's where you want to be. So if you get to the end of that first workout or second workout or third workout and you don't feel that way, you're pushing too hard. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think you know, whenever you start and you know where you should be beginning at, you know, you know, you know, your starting position. And then mm -hmm. from there, you can, you know, take the next logical step with your training. Um, and, and I think the way that you started, Jenny, is such an instructive uh, way of starting with running. You did it socially, and you actually mm -hmm. started with walking with only a tiny bit of running layered in once you were comfortable with walking. And so mm -hmm. you didn't, try to, you know, succumb to the three twos, as my college coach would call it, you know, doing too much, too soon, too fast. Mm -hmm. um, now, the other thing that you said that I thought was really interesting, um, you know, you mentioned the runner who might take a lot of classes at the gym or say they're a, a cyclist or someone who's not necessarily a couch potato, but they mm -hmm. still have to go about things in a, in a very gradual way because running has a lot of impact. There's a lot of impact. And I think a lot of people think that running is kind of an easy thing to do. And I would say that it's a simple thing to do, but simple is not always easy. There's a lot of things you can do wrong, which are going to make running a lot harder than it really needs to be. Um, now, I do want to follow up on one thing that you said specifically. Um, you know, you kind of talked about how, you know, this beginning runner should evaluate their, their fitness and their capabilities and start from there. If a person 
doesn't really have an athletic background and they're not really sure, you know, what is an acceptable level of discomfort? You know, what is something that you can run through? What's not something you can run through? What is an appropriate distance to run or a pace to run at? You know, how do you make that those judgment calls when you don't really have the background to really know yourself that well from an athletic perspective? Great question, because there's so much information out there and it's easy to get lost in it all and get caught up in it all. I like to keep things really super simple. That's how I learned and that's what I loved. Um, and it doesn't have to be complicated. I think for the evaluation, if you have been a, a you know a glob of glue or boo or on the couch or whatever, like I was, not an active at all, and no fitness level, start with walking. It's really simple. You know, give yourself two to three weeks walking, thirty to forty-five minutes, um, three to four times a week, and and let your mind adapt to. Okay, I'm on a training program now, and I'm setting my foundation. Then from that point, everybody's different. And I think that's the next uh, principle that I use, the philosophy that I like to use is follow your body. You know, one person who may not be overweight, maybe they're the right weight for themselves, is going to have a different time than someone who might be 50 pounds overweight. So I think their progression levels, everyone's progression levels are different. For me, I was a little bit overweight and I was out of shape. So it took me a little bit longer. It took me almost four months to get to that 30-minute mark. And speaking of 30 minutes, I like to start people off with 30 minutes and start walking for 30 minutes. Or if you can run walk, 30 minutes is your point. It's not mileage because mileage takes us different times. It's a solid 30 minutes. If you can focus on finishing that and then starting from where you are uh, and get through that and keep that constant, keep the 30-minute cycle constant, the duration, and then start to progress from there as your body adapts, as you feel stronger and stronger. Now you're not trying to progress too many elements or variables. What gets folks into problems is they'll start with maybe 30 minutes and then next week they'll go to 40 and then they'll go to 45. And then they're also trying to increase their, their running time or their intensity. As a coach, and you know this better than anybody, you you can't increase too many variables all at once. So that's what I would say in terms of evaluation. You know, if you've got, if you're fit at least three times a week doing cardio activity, um, getting your heart rate up there for 30 to 45 minutes, you know, st still starting with that 30 minute run, but I would still include some run walk. If you're not active at all and you haven't been or very sporadic, start with walking. So it doesn't have to be a super complicated evaluation process. It's just more of a, an awareness of your reality of where you are right now. Yeah, you don't need to go into a running lab and have a bunch of tests no. done. You know, no. let's let's not all those numbers. Too crazy. And, yes, that can come later if you want. Right, right. There's a lot of avenues for improving your performance, but mm -hmm. let's get the basics done first. And mm -hmm. I, I kind of like this this approach, Jenny, because it sounds like every beginning runner is almost like a little scientist. We're going to change one variable, and then we're going to see what happens. And right. our future training is going to be based on all of these little tests that we incorporate into our uh, into those, you know, first couple weeks or those first few months of, of running. And then, you know, you just gradually build from there. And it's a very, um, you know, very gradual process to progress from, say, 30 minutes of, of mostly walking to, you know, running a half marathon, which obviously is, is a big step. But we need to get there in a more strategic fashion. 
Yeah, I, I really like to incorporate stories about elite runners like yourself, um, because I think as everyday mortals, we think that it's going to happen in a matter of weeks. We look at a template schedule and I'm going to get to this point in a matter of weeks when we don't realize elite runners start in high school. Sometimes they start in junior high and they build their foundation over years, over seasons, over race experience. So I think as everyday mortals, as mortal runners, as I like to say, give yourself plenty of time to get to whatever goal you want to get to. Uh, you know, rather than saying, oh, I'm going to get to this in nine weeks, and if I don't, I'm a failure. You know, give yourself plenty of time to progress to success and really compare yourself to elite runners who have spent years and miles and miles and miles developing their running fitness. Yeah, that's so true. Um, first, Jenny, thank you so much for calling me an elite runner, even though I'm nowhere close to that. Um <laughs> Maybe you can I think convince you Nike to throw a sponsorship <laughs> my way. Sure. Just saying. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I think I think even when you look at runners who are, quote, fast, but nowhere mm-hmm. near elite like myself, uh, you know, look, I ran a 239 marathon. A lot of runners mm-hmm. will say, that's amazing. I have friends who tell me I'm, uh, you know, a turtle that, you know, I I. I'm incapable of running fast times because, you know, I'm friends with people who are still not professional runners, but I ran with them in college. They're super fast. You know, they're New England champions in certain events and all these things. So everything is relative. But, you know, even someone who's hoping to, say, run a sub three hour marathon, uh, the fitness it takes you don't build that in a year or probably even two years. You know, I I ran for uh, let's see. Uh, 10 years before or 11 years before I ever ran a marathon. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I can just really throw away the first three years of my training. Uh, You know, I, I didn't progress too much. I, you know, first year was a lot of progression, but then I leveled off for two years. Uh, but still, I was working on the mechanics of running, the mm-hmm. the the habit of running almost every day. You know, those are the really important habits that will get us to much better performances later in our career. But I think you're absolutely spot on by looking to elite runners for guidance. Now, of course, that doesn't mean we're all going to run 120 miles a week or, you know, run some of the crazy workouts that they do. But some of the high level principles and and big picture ideas we can certainly draw from to influence our training. And one of those is patience. Let's Mm -hmm. not succumb to those three twos. Uh, I think you're right on the mark there, Jenny. Uh, What do you think about the runner who's, um, you know, he's done a few 5Ks, maybe a 10K or two. They're about, you know, six months into their running career. Should this type of runner focus on the same things as, you know, the absolute beginner? And, And if you don't think so, what are some of the next steps for this type of a runner to keep improving? Oh, great question. I think from that point, you've got a base, um, not a foundation, but you've got a base from which you can start to expand. This is when things get really exciting. Your body knows running uh, may not be, you know, fine tuned, um, but it knows it. And when you go back to it over and over again, it's very familiar. At that point, you can start either increasing your distance or your duration, uh, what we'd like to call long runs or endurance runs where you're running a little bit farther once a week or twice a week. Um, You can start to throw in some up-tempo workouts where you might be throwing in a little bit of uh, moderate effort running to improve your stamina and your fitness. Um, But I'm a big advocate on that of 
when you get to that point and you've got the habit to surround yourself with all the things that are going to help you become a better runner and live uh, in terms of better performance overall, life and otherwise. And that's strength training, which I know you're an advocate of, big advocate of, and flexibility. So, you know, foam rolling, those types of things. So once I get a runner up and running and they're in the habit, we start to progress to keep them interested, the, the, the duration and if they're ready intensity, but also try to weave in the other elements that are going to help them become a better athlete. What are some of your favorite workouts for this kind of a runner? Like, obviously, we're probably not going to be doing grueling track workouts where you're going to the well. But, you know, are there some go to's that you find yourself coming back to frequently? I, again, I'm a keep it simple kind of coach. So I will teach them effort before I teach them anything else. So I will have them go out and run at a moderate, what I call a tempo effort, um, you know, in and around your threshold where it starts to get hard to talk. Uh, You may not be able to speak very much just below that level, right around that level to teach them what that feels like. And then also offset that with some easy conversational runs. Because when you first, let's face it, when you first start running, you're not running. What what drives me crazy is all of the, the coaching out there that says, oh, just start with a comfortable running pace. Well, when you first start running, there isn't a comfortable running pace, right? It's high intensity. You're basically doing a high intensity workout, whether you're doing a one minute of running and three minutes of walking repeatedly like I was or you're doing consistent running, it's high intensity. But as your body adjusts and your cardiovascular system gets stronger and you start to develop levels of, of fitness of running. So you might start to be able to have a, an easy, a truly easy gear. And that's when I start to work with an athlete to say, okay, now you know, now you have this, you've got your easy gear. You know what that feels like. You can speak in full sentences while you're running. Good for you. Now let's take it up to the next level, a moderate level, and just spend a minute or two there and then come back down to teach them how to not only increase their effort, but also to come back and control their effort as well. It sounds like what you're saying is that the higher level of fitness that you have the more gears that you have available to use. Is that fair? And can you maybe talk a little bit more about that? Sure. When I am, I always go back to my story because I'm an everyday mortal that turned runner. So for me, again, I was out of shape. So starting off that walking was very easy, right? Easy conversational. Even when we were walking briskly, I would, I was in that, what I call the yellow zone, conversational, easy effort zone. When I started to sprinkle in seconds and then minutes of running, that was like a high intensity interval workout, which we're all very familiar with. You go up for a minute, very high or 30 seconds, and then you come back down to recover and you go up and work really hard for 30 seconds, come back down. So when you're first learning, whether you're fit or whether you're not fit, to some degree, running is a high intensity activity until you develop that fitness and familiarity. So if you got to look at it when you when you're first beginning that you are going to be tossing in even if you're running slowly it's probably not going to be super comfortable until your body develops and adapts and grows and progresses in terms of the fitness level. So you're starting off and you may be in what I call the orange zone, that moderate zone where you can't talk in full sentences, you can only get out a couple of words. 
that's okay. That's where you should be. If you were going any slower, and this is where a lot of newbies get confused, if you were to go any slower for some folks, especially like myself, I would be walking, right? I would never get to that running level. So ignore the whole run comfortably when you're first starting out. Let yourself get into that little bit moderate intensity. It's okay if you're breathing a little bit heavier, if you can speak in a couple words at a time, still control it. You don't want to go out too fast, but just know it's going to be harder until your body adapts and then pull it back, walking comfortably. You should be able to have a conversation in sentences while you recover until before you do your next interval. So in essence, what we're doing on that is doing a high intensity interval workout for a newbie, which is kind of exciting. Yeah, uh, it actually kind of reminds me of my first run ever, which was the first day of cross-country practice when I was a freshman in high school. It was a three-mile run for the freshman, and uh, I, of course, I couldn't run the whole thing, and you know, I felt like I had been run over by a truck afterwards <laughs> for like a week. I never experienced that level of soreness. It was akin to running a marathon for the first time, and, and I had run like 15 minutes. It was very humbling as a as a former basketball player but mm -hmm. um i i can i can attest personally to the fact that you do progress you do get a lot more capable uh it just requires you know some patience mm -hmm. uh, jenny you said something really fascinating that i want to maybe take a little we'll take a go on a sidetrack here um you said you know at this point for a runner who's been running for about six months they have a base but not a foundation What's the difference in your eyes? The base to me is they've got, they've created the habit of running. They're going out on a regular basis, three or four times a week and getting in a run. If they're cross training, maybe two to three times a week, but they're doing it regularly to the point where they're no longer sore. If you're not doing it regularly, you're going out here and there. Every time you do it, it's like doing it all over again, brand new. So, this person six months in has created the habit, their body is familiar, let's say with 30 minutes of running, that's a base, that's a starting point in terms of fitness. And I think it's a, an, an, a very important principle because so many uh, training pro programs start off and we assume, all of us assume that it's a starting from zero plan. And most plans start with some sense of, you've got to have some sense of, of uh, fitness, right? So if you're starting off a 5k training program, it's a beginning running program. It's many of them aren't going to be a zero to running, right? It's going to be start off with three miles of running. Well, you've got to have some type of base to start that. So that's why I use the, the term base for that. A foundation is months. A foundation is exactly what you were referring to in your past. A foundation could be a year, it could be two years. It could be five years. It's what you build your house on. It's what you build your running career, your running fitness and performance on. It's not a start and a finish. It just is. It's something you maintain and you build as a runner as you progress. I, I really love that. I think that's a great higher level look at the difference between, you know, uh, maybe a couple of weeks of base training versus mm -hmm. your entire foundation of fitness, which is really is, you know, your entire running career up through today. So, right. you know, I can, you know, I'll, I'll use myself in a, as an example, you know, I ran fairly high mileage for a fairly long period of time. 
I could take, and, and I did this during a, a pretty serious injury a, a while back, I took six months of running off completely. And when I got back into it, you know, it took me a good six months to really get back into the groove of, of hard training again. But once I mm-hmm. did, you know, it took six months to get back to my previous fitness level after six months of, you know, eating way too many Oreos on the couch. And, <laughs> you know, I, I think that is an illustration of what's possible when you already have a big base available to you. You know, you can mm-hmm. almost take some shortcuts with your training because you don't have to spend as much time with the easy mileage, with the base training, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I really like that, that, uh, that difference between the two. Now let's uh, let's continue the trend and talk about an even more advanced runner. Okay, a person who's been running fairly consistently for maybe a year. They've done one or two half marathons, and at this point, they're not sure what to focus on. From a training perspective, what do you think is most important for this type of a runner to focus on at this point in their career? I, I think starting with where do you want to go? You know, what what are your goals? I've done this. Do I want to get faster? Do I want to run farther? Do I want to do I want to want to run several of these? I mean, there's a lot of runners these days that are doing not speed, but they're doing frequency, right? A lot of the Disney races and things like that, where you get a lot of medals for doing lots of different races. That's a big thing now. So I think it's important to note, though, in that what pick a goal, not trying to do everything all at once. So in other words, if you want to move on to the marathon distance, you've done a couple halves, you've got that foundation, go for it. Focus on that. And now you start to weave in this runner in particular, if they had done a couple of halves, now their first marathon season should be focused on building their endurance, not trying to run it as fast as they can, right? It's that goes back to that same principle of build that solid foundation. So now you're going to focus on building your duration and your distance and finish a strong first marathon. If you want to, to focus on increasing your speed for the half, you've got a foundation for the half. You might run, you might build the length of your long runs. You might throw in some simulation long runs, uh, throw in some speed and tempo work because you have that foundation, right? And you're not going to have to build up a lot farther in terms of mileage volume, you're going to start to tweak the quality of those workouts. So it just depends on what your focus is. And I always say, you know, pick, it's great to have lots of goals, but focus on one at a time so you can be successful. Yeah, you said something that was that that I think is really great, because now we're talking about a more advanced runner, you know, now they Mm -hmm. have more capabilities. And I noticed that this was the only hypothetical runner that we've talked about so far that started with a question. It was, what do you want to do now? Because mm-hmm. I think now we're finally at the point where we have options. You can right. you can go down to the 5K and just focus on getting faster. Or right. you can go up to the marathon and focus on building your endurance and completing a longer distance that you have before. Now, the other thing that I found incredibly illuminating was your insistence that you can't focus on too many goals at one time. And for best results, you focus on one at a time. I had a spirited debate on on Twitter of all places to uh, about this topic maybe a week or two ago. And my point was that you cannot have competing goals. So right. if you're someone who wants to run their first marathon and gain 20 pounds of muscle, that's going to be really, really hard <laughs> yes. because your goals have different physiological demands and they're not really too compatible. That's why 
you know, bodybuilders don't do any cardio because they don't want to burn any calories. They want all those calories packed in their body as muscle. And so, you know, we have to be realistic with what goals we're chasing because, you know, if we chase too many or if we chase competing goals, you know, we're just going to be mediocre at both rather than excelling at one. And that's an important point is that it's not that you can't do them. You can, but your, the quality of your performance is going to be diminished. So if you're okay with not doing well in a lot of things, then go for it. But most people want to do well in most of their goals. So, you know, it's just, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Focus on one thing at a time and have some other tangible goals that you want to focus on in the background. But really, if you, if you want to improve your distance or your speed and just focus on those and you'll be so much more successful. Yeah, I've said frequently on the podcast that I think me starting to run as a beginner was almost an unfair advantage because I started with a team and a coach because Mm -hmm. I was forced to really focus on what the coach told me to focus on. And it was always one goal per season. You know, Mm -hmm. cross country was, you know, let's run the fastest 5k that we can indoor track. It was usually a shorter distance. And then that moved up a little bit in outdoor track. But typically, Every season had its own singular goal. And then, of course, there's, you know, secondary goals and things like that. But uh, for the most part, I was only focusing on one thing at a time as, as, you know, a true beginner. From day one, you know, that was kind of the pattern. And it set me up to think like that as a runner later down the road, you know, eight years, nine years later when I didn't have a coach. And so it helped me be more successful later on in life. And I think a lot of runners should should think about that and internalize it so they can be as successful as they possibly can. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think it goes back to the point of patience and, you know, everyday, everyday runners, we come into this without that coach. So it's a, another important point. I didn't come into running with a coach, a helper, somebody who supported me through it and kind of taught me, but it wasn't a coach that said, Hey, you know, this is how you want to start. This is what you want to focus on type of thing. And this is how long it's going to take your body to adapt to become an efficient runner. So yeah, that's a great, great point. Jenny, let's talk about your experience with coaching. Cause you've been doing this for a really long time and you've worked with a lot of runners over the years. So I'm sure you've seen it all. Uh, what do you think are some of the big beginner mistakes that you see over and over again? And, and maybe can you offer some uh, suggestions or solutions to, to those mistakes? Yeah, we've talked about the number one thing I see is too much too soon. You know, you get excited, you set a goal, let's, I'm going to run that 5k or I'm going to start a running program. It's January 1st, the excitement's high. You've just gone through a holiday season of being, you know, inactive and you want to get out there and get going. Well, that runs off about four or five, five weeks out. And so you, you start off, you do too much too soon, too far, things hurt and you stop. So again, it goes back to the principle of be patient, start from where you are and really be, give yourself plenty of time. I say weeks, weeks and weeks of, uh, just foundational base building, um, comparing yourself to another person, a person next to you, your brother, your boyfriend, your uncle, your wife, somebody who's faster than you, uh, it it sabotages your, your workouts and your confidence levels. So I think trying to use looking at outside of yourself is anybody else that, that is around you that runs is as a source of inspiration, right? They're outside of you. 
for inside, focus on what your own performance is doing. One of the tools that I love is a personal, as a, a runner and cyclist, personally, is Strava. And Strava can get crazy in terms of, you know, doing too much too soon because you can see your performance and then you want to best it every single time. But if you can control it, you can look at all the stats that you have and kind of follow your own progress along the way and how you compare someone your age, your gender, your weight category, and kind of see where you are, right? And also not get caught up in looking at the guy down the road who's running two minutes per mile faster than you and thinking, God, I suck, right? <laughs> it, it, it happens to all of us. And I, I just relocated to a new city and I'm starting to meet new people by showing up to, to workouts, some cycling, some running. And it's, you know, it no matter how long I've been doing this, coaching, running and everything else, you still have that little voice. I call them gremlins. That, that kind of sits on your shoulder and questions, well, you're not going to be good enough. You know, it, you could be Frank Shorter and show up and think, gosh, you're not going to be good enough because it's just there. It's a little voice that can pop out when things are new and things are scary. So as a beginner, try not to compare yourself to someone else around you because it's only going to sabotage your confidence level. And the thing about that is that if you're comparing yourself to other runners, they might have years of experience mm -hmm. ahead of you that you just don't have. I remember specifically when I was a sophomore in high school asking the senior cross-country captain, um, I forget the exact way I, I asked it, but it was essentially, you know, how do I uh, be, be fast like you? S similar question to that. And his answer was, well, you know, you're going to get there. Don't forget the fact that I'm a senior and you're a sophomore. When I was a sophomore, I wasn't this fast. Mm -hmm. I was running times that you were running. And so, mm -hmm. you know, just understanding that if you're looking at someone and you're impressed by their finish times, you're impressed by a workout that they did, they might have a foundation that allows them to do mm -hmm. that that you simply haven't built yet. So right. as long as you build that foundation and, you know, make some good decisions with your training, you're probably going to get there too. But I, yeah, it goes back to patience and and not doing falling prey to those three twos that we talked about. I think that's really right. important. Right. I think the, the final point on this is to follow your body. I use a flow based system when I coach and it's all about tuning back into your body. I started running and uh, 93, 94 when I started to get into it. And that's when we didn't have GPSs. There was no internet. You had to go out and I had a Timex watch and I think it had nine laps of storage, which was huge. It was like the best thing out there. It was like a supercomputer. <laughs> well, yeah. And it was probably as big as my arm too. But anyway, I, I would go out and I would have to know, I'd have to feel the effort level, right? I wouldn't know what my pace was. I might know mile markers if I mark them out in my neighborhood or get a sense of distance once I ran a couple of times in a neighborhood, but you had no sense of what your pace was. And the big transition I saw from when I started running and coaching in the 90s into the new um, century with GPSs, I think they came out around 2000, 2001, is we can start to see our pace every stride. And I saw runners going from tuning into their bodies and racing bite effort like the legends did, Frank Shorter and Joan Benoit Samuelson, to running by pace. And now you've got another judgment category. How many times have we been out and we've seen our pace because we've got a speed distance monitor, which I love them. I love them. Don't get me wrong. 
You look down and you go, oh my God, I'm running 945s. What is wrong? Well, you might be running into a headwind. It might be 90 degrees. You might not have slept last night. You might not have eaten well all week. You might be stressed. For a woman, you might be on your cycle. There could be 8,000 variables that affect that day. But on that given day, you're judging yourself, not by another person. Now you're judging it by a number on a watch. So what I really like to focus on with runners is to take that element out. Let pace and all those stats, those wonderful stats, be an evaluation tool rather than a guide. Let your body be your guide. Really teach runners how to train by effort by your breath, by tuning back into your body. And then let's see how you do after your run. Yeah, that's wonderful advice, Jenny. Uh, it was funny, actually, in the last podcast <clears throat> episode, um, or it might have been two podcast episodes with uh, Mario Fraioli. He's a coach. He's uh, He used to work for Competitor Magazine. And mm -hmm. he was talk we were talking about easy runs and what pace they should be and how I feel that question so many times per week. But there is no easy pace. It's an effort. Right. You are to run in easy effort. And, you know, we started running similar times. I was more like 1998 uh, before GPS watches. And our instruction for the day was, you know, go run 30 minutes at an easy effort. Go run 45 mm -hmm. minutes at, a, at an easy effort. I don't remember anybody asking what pace should that be? We just right. went out, we ran, we had fun, we told jokes. I mean, these were high school kids. Uh, and that's how I fell in love with running. It was really the the fun that I had in between the races and workouts. Uh, but that wouldn't have been possible if I was constantly looking at my GPS watch and worrying about my pace. Instead, it was solely by effort. And I'm so glad that I started running when I did. Yeah, and it, it varies on the given day what 100%. your pace might be. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, what, what the fun part is, is if you take that element out and still use it, now you can track your progress, right? Now you're going to go out for a run. You're going to run at that effort, that target effort, whatever that may be, easy, moderate, or hard. And it'll be true to how your body is, what your body is feeling on the given day based on your, your sleep, based on your, your nutrition, all of those variables, weather elements, terrain, travel, all those things that can affect that. Now you're going to adjust on that given day, you're going to get a tr good solid workout in optimal in the optimal zone. And you can go back and say, Oh, gosh, I was a little faster today. I wonder why. Or I, I really was a lot slower today. And I didn't feel very good. Let's take a look and see let's evaluate why and that's when you it gets really exciting because a you control the quality of your workout, right? You learn that's a, an advanced running skill. And now you're able to go back and evaluate. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be complicated. You can simply go back and say, you know what? That really sucked. That run today was awful. Let's take a look at why. Oh, gosh, I got three hours of sleep last night because the kids were up. You know, now you're as an athlete, you're doing what the elites do. You're you're kind of ranking how that felt. You're tuning back into your body and you're going back and you're looking at your stats based on on, on what your body did on that given day. I, I'll never forget, we sponsored, my husband and I sponsored, actually he sponsored with his racing company, a Kenyan runner, several years ago, Daniel Chariot. And he had done one of our races, a half marathon in Tucson. And he was, I think he was doing a shakeout run or something. And um, he said, oh, Jenny, come out, come run with me. And I laughed in his face. I, I can't run. <laughs> I can't run with you. First of all, you're a Kenyan runner and you run five minute pace. And second, I, I am not. <laughs> so... 
He's like, no, I'm running easy. I'm running very easy. And I'm, I'm a lot slower when I run easy. And we ran and we had a lovely conversation for about 20 to 25 minutes. And I came back and I, that stuck with me, really stuck with me that it's not about pace. It's absolutely not about pace, but in, in alongside that elite runners are better at running easy than everyday mortals are. Yeah, I can't agree more with that. And something that stuck with me a while back was when I learned that a lot of these, you know, really great East African marathoners who are capable of running 26.2 miles under five minute mile pace, they start their easy runs well over nine minutes per Mm -hmm. mile. Mm -hmm. And only over the course of miles does that pace gradually get a little bit faster as they warm up. But if that that is just so instructive to me. If Mm -hmm. the best runners in the world can start their runs four plus minutes slower than their marathon pace, I think we as recreational runners can at least value the effort of an easy run. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for some folks, you know, like, like me getting started, that meant running, running and walking that meant doing interval running so that my body could build up the fitness. Had I try tried to go out and run continuously at that point, And still sometimes when I take time off, I still do run, walk. I love run, walk, but I use that as a tool to modify my effort level and get to that Kenyan easy effort. And that's the great thing about running. We can take a principle that is followed by the best runners in the world and mm-hmm. scale it down to the slowest runners in the world, and it still fits. I absolutely love it. Now, Jenny, before we wrap up today, let's get to a couple shorter but fun questions. Um, <laughs> I love to hear a little bit more about uh, your own running career and some recommendations that you have. So you've run some crazy races around the world. Uh, <laughs> What was harder, the Antarctica Marathon or the Grand Canyon Rim to Rim Challenge? Oh, wow. Antarctica is a an incredible adventure. The, the hardness factor starts the minute you pack your bag and leave your house, in, in which case I left from Chicago. My husband and I went down. He was working the event. I was running it. So we travel to Florida, fly to Florida then fly to Buenos Aires. We stay there two days to do some touring. Then you fly all the way down to the southernmost city in the world, Ushuaia, in uh, South Argentina. And you get on a Russian research ship, which houses about 200 people, 100 runners, 200 people, so it's small. And you sail across some of the world's toughest seas, the Drake Passage. So you're stabilizing differently, you're walking differently, you might get seasick a little bit, you might not if it's Drake Lake. Two days across the water, you see your first iceberg, you get off, you take a Zodiac boat to the shores, you get off and you start running. And you're running on a working island, there's an airport and things, but all the roads are dirt and they're used by really heavy big trucks. So there's ruts in the road. They can be icy, snowy. When we ran it, we ran up a grade, uh, about halfway out up a glacier, about 17 to 20% on, on ice, up and down, about up about a mile and down back about twice. So it's an incredibly hilly, incredibly can be snowy or icy. It could be warm and beautiful. You just never know. But the journey down <laughs> the taper you know how we say, don't try anything new. Everything's new. The food is <laughs> I new. 
the travel, the stable, you know, your muscles are a little bit sore from stabilizing on the ship. You know, might have patches on your, on your uh, neck to deal with the seasickness. It's a, it's an adventure and I would do it over. I did it seven years. I, I ran it twice and uh, worked it five times. It's a fabulous, fabulous event. Uh, our friend Tom Gilligan who, with Marathon Tours uh, created it many years ago. And if you can do it, do it. Um, so that that one, it's tough for different reasons. It's like picking your favorite child. It's you just can't do it. Grand Canyon is diff is challenge. It's just. First of all, it's challenging to to not stop every minute to just take it all in. It's just you're going down to to you start up at eight thousand feet, you go down to twenty five hundred feet, and then you come back up to eight. So you're literally traversing down a, a single track trail through the layers and layers of of earth of 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 ground, and you're just seeing. All the it's unbelievable. I mean, I can't even speak to it. It's just so beautiful. So you spend half the day going down, hammering your quads. But you, for me, the hardest part was not stopping. I love taking pictures. It was like, if I do this all day long, I'm never going to get through this. Then you get to the bottom to Phantom Ranch and you cross the river, the Colorado River on the bridge, and then you start up what is a very challenging switchback, steep, hot leg uh, up the other side, we went down. I've done it four times. We went down the north rim and then came up the the south rim. And uh, different. It's like almost like stair climbing, hiking, climbing, mountain climbing in a way. It's the reverse of a mountain climb. I just got done with climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, and Grand Canyon is the exact opposite. You go down and then you come up. Kilimanjaro, you go up and you go down. But it's the same kind of concept. So um, beautiful. Uh, just incredibly challenging, but doable. Very how doable. How long is, is the rim to rim challenge? Is it about 18, 19 miles? It, it's a, almost 24, depending on how you do it. Okay. Uh, it's almost 24 miles, almost a marathon distance. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I will fully admit, I don't really have a desire to run a marathon in, in, in Antarctica, but the rim to rim <laughs> challenge is something that I would love to do primarily because yeah. I love trails and it's such a beautiful place to be. That is one of my running uh, bucket list goals. It uh, really is. It's beautiful. You've got to do it. All right. So if you had to recommend a running book for beginners, which one would it be? Oh, boy. Well, I have to do a little shameless plugging. Um, my husband wrote Courage to Start, and it's a great, uh, unpretentious book about his story of, of learning to, to run. He was a hundred pounds heavier than he was at the time and, uh, learned how to run and has a, it's a real short, quick read, but very motivational. People love it. Um, not, you know, super technical. We also wrote, uh, running for mortals, which has a little more technical information in it with training plans. Um, boy, from there, Galloway and Higdon, I'm a huge fan of Higdon. He's the Chicagoland guy and uh, trained with him several years on the Chicago Lakefront Path. He's a great guy. A lot of great, a lot of great books. Yeah, those are, those are some good ones. Uh, and I'll speak <clears throat> specifically to uh, Higdon just because I've actually, uh, I have one of his books. And for beginners, it is a really good introduction to the sport of running. And it's done in a way that, um, you know, it, you're not going to be, intimidated at all by running if you follow you know kind of the, the higdon approach so I, I really like that all right jenny last question you look back on your decades as a runner and a coach 
what what single memory stands out to you from your career that you think uh, you'll keep coming back to with fondness? Oh boy, I, I think for me, it, I talked you through it already. The just the ability to finish that first five k um, from thinking that I couldn't run to the social community that taught me, that supported me, and to on, on down to the event that waited for me to finish that race and the confidence that came after that, um, that, that formed my coaching career. Really. I mean, I started, I was working in the corporate fitness community or, um, industry. I was the director of the fitness center for discover card in the Chicagoland area for eight years. And that's when I started to get the running bug and do go a little bit longer. I started doing half marathons and marathons and all the employees started coming in and asking me for training. This was the 90s. There weren't a lot of training programs back then, and there was no internet. So had I not had that moment, that 5K moment, and the success that came from that, that allowed me to go a little bit farther and a little bit faster and gain confidence and have a running performance and career uh, as an everyday mortal, uh, I I wouldn't be here today. I, I just, I wouldn't be here today. And I'm just so grateful for the for for the running community in general, the community in in Milwaukee that st- got me started, and the community worldwide that just is one of the best uh, sporting communities in the world. I think. I think so too. Uh, I might be a little biased as a runner and a coach myself, but mm-hmm. you know I can speak to just the. It's it's just a level of excitement when you're just starting to run, when you're a beginner, mm-hmm. when you're discovering what your body is capable of, you're meeting new friends, you're really just embedding yourself into this community of runners. And it can give you so much. I know, you know, Jenny, your life wouldn't be the same if you never started running and neither would mine. And, you know, if I could just get, you know, one listener of this podcast to send it over to someone who's thinking about starting to run, it would be... Uh, just, just knowing that I could potentially get someone to start running and positively change their life that way uh, is just so rewarding. Absolutely. Spread the love. <laughs> yeah, that, absolutely. All right. This is a good spot to wrap up, Jenny. Where can we stalk you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at coachjenny.com or coachjenny on Instagram and ask Coach Jenny on Facebook. Perfect. There we go. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing to the show. And a thank you in advance for that iTunes review. If you'd like to learn more about Jenny, see all the links and resources that we discussed in this episode, just go to strengthrunning.com slash podcast and you can get all that great stuff. I also want to give our beginner listeners some extra help. If you are brand new to running, someone who probably couldn't finish an entire mile of running, just go to strengthrunning.com slash new and you can get our tailored coaching guidance for beginners. No crazy running jargon, no inflexible training plans, and certainly no judgment. And as a motivation boost to our new runners, you'll get a bonus podcast for subscribing all about beginner running Q&A. I think you'll really like it. Finally, a big thanks to supporter of the show, Health IQ. They're a unique insurance company that helps health-conscious people like us runners get lower life insurance rates. Now, historically, Runners have been penalized for things like family history and other attributes, but not rewarded for our healthy lifestyles. Health IQ changes that. They've gathered all kinds of data to convince insurance companies that health-conscious folks like runners deserve those lower rates. 
And since the research is on our side, it shows that runners have a substantially lower risk of heart disease and a lower risk of early death. They've been successful. Over the last couple of years, they've helped tens of thousands of athletes like us secure billions of dollars of coverage. Want to see if you qualify? Go to healthiq.com slash strengthrunning to see how much money running can save you on life insurance. Thanks again for listening to the Strength Running Podcast. Until next time.